ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. What's good, brothers and sisters? You got the one sister over there, Amber Wilson, the run brother here, Freddie Coleman, part of ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80. Tune in to ESPN Plus. We always love to see what you have to say. Hit us up on Twitter anytime you want to Coleman ESPN and at Amber W790. Don't forget the phone number as well. Triple eight say ESPN. 888-729-3776. You're 10 minutes away. From a peacock run like no other, but will we see that kind of run again like we saw from St. Peter's in this year's NCAA tournament? That comes your way in about 10 minutes. But Amber, basketball guy, said Duke, North Carolina on the same side of the bracket. They're going to be playing each other for the first time ever on one side of the Final Four. You got Villanova, Kansas on the other side of the Final Four. We believed or we were hoping, whether you're a Duke fan or not, that this is going to be a special last season for Coach Mike Krzyzewski. We did not imagine anything what we've seen specifically since the last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium when he said that was an unacceptable effort that they put out or didn't put out by losing to North Carolina. Yeah, he said it was an unacceptable effort, which it was. Uh, It was funny (laughs) that he used that moment, though, to still coach Mm -hmm. when, of course, he was being honored for it being his final regular season game. He did say it has been a very acceptable season, though, so he did kind of credit his team there. And then he went on to have the run that he's had in this year's tournament, and he seems to be enjoying it. We talked about it earlier in the show. This is the most, most Coach K has seemed to enjoy any tournament run. It's always nice when you know it's the end for somebody and they're actually taking their time to smell the roses absolutely because you never want it to pass you by the moment and he is taking that time he does seem to be actually reveling in this I do think it's the story of the tournament St. Peter's was a heck of a run not to take anything away from what that team did as a 15 seed Mm -hmm. but this was the matchup that America was waiting for. Yes. This is it. I mean, you mentioned that other little game that's happening in this Final Four. Who were they? Villanova and... And who? who, who Ha-ha. Oh, oh, right. That that number one seed that's over there. The only one (laughs) seed left, and we're not even talking about it. But this is the matchup. Eight miles apart separates these two schools. With the amount of times that they've played, the battles that they've had as, as one and two in the country, the battles that they had in the ACC tournament, how many battles they've had individually in the NCAA NCAA tournament for them to have never battled against each other on this stage is remarkable. Yeah, it really is. It's the end for Mike Krzyzewski. We all know that as coach of Duke, whether it's Saturday or whether it's Monday, but somebody believes that when he's gone, the rivalry with Duke, North Carolina is going to be gone as well. Who is this un-American that said this? Mike Greenberg from Green with Mike Greenberg. Duke and Carolina should never be answered. And now it will be. Until the end of time, or at least until they meet again in the NCAA tournament, which has never happened and doesn't figure to happen again while any of the people involved in this are still alive. One side now has eternal bragging rights, and I don't like it. I think it diminishes everything. Let's say Duke wins this game Saturday. Let's say Carolina beats them by 70 points next year. You're the Duke fan? You have the ultimate comeback. Yeah, 
We beat you in the tournament. It is the end of every conversation. It is the trump card in every debate. It puts an end on some level to the competitiveness of the rivalry. It's now over. It has been settled. Who's greater, Caroline or Duke? We now get the answer to a question that should be eternally unanswered. It's so wrong on so many levels, Freddie. Like, where do I even begin to unpack that? It's certainly not over. First of all, it's not even close to over. These schools' rivalry is not dependent on Coach K, as great as Coach K is. And 42 years is an unbelievable run. And, yes, it is hard to separate the identity of Duke from the identity of Coach K. But Duke is an institution. It is a school. It is going to continue forth. Those two schools are rivals in every single way, including academically, including recruiting. And I don't just mean sports. I mean Mm -hmm. students. I mean the student bodies. Most of them grew up together. There is absolutely that interstate rivalry between those two two schools. It has nothing to do with, frankly, who is coaching at either of them, any of the sports. That is absolutely going to exist, and it's going to maintain. And also, I don't think that this tournament answers the question. It's not like these basketball programs cease to exist after Coach K leaves, particularly if Coach K goes on to win this, but then he's done, Mm -hmm. UNC will still get their opportunity after this, and they didn't end Coach K's career. Mm -hmm. Amber Wilson, that's her. Freddie Cohen, that's me on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X Channel, and ESPN+. Before I destroy this and napalm it, I'm going to have somebody who knows North Carolina and Duke extremely intimately, somebody who has been in that state as a student, as a professional, Still has fam down in that state. That would be the one, the only Shannon Penn. Shannon, speak. I couldn't agree. I disagree with a take more. Um, As you just mentioned, I went to school in North Carolina, lived and covered both Duke and North Carolina in the Triangle as well as NC State for 10 years. Lived in the South in Virginia for 10 years. So that's almost 25 years following this rivalry. This rivalry was was a rivalry before Coach K. Mm -hmm. This will be a rivalry long after Coach K. This is personal. Okay, like the basketball stuff is one thing. This is personal. You pick a side and whichever school university you side with, that tells me all I need to know about who you are as a person. All right. Mm -hmm. This thing ain't going nowhere. I've seen fist fights, literal (laughs) fist fights. Okay, Freddie, fist fights, folks going down, not just the one hit a quitter, folks throwing down in dorm rooms and bathrooms wherever because of this rivalry. And it wasn't even basketball season, Freddie. That's what I'm saying. This is not going anywhere. It's not going to stop. So, yeah, from the national perspective, maybe it might hit a little different because Coach K will not be there. Uh But locally in in the Carolinas, oh, this thing ain't going nowhere. No time soon. It's not even going anywhere nationally. Seriously. I mean – I get people who put stuff out there in terms of gotcha moments. We all know those people. We worked with those people. We may be some of those people from that standpoint. Greeny, I'm not falling for the banana tailpipe. I don't know what you were trying to accomplish here, but opinions are based on facts. His opinion was based on not a fact that had no bearing. You're trying to tell me after all these years – of Duke and North Carolina. If anything, you could probably say the Duke-North Carolina rivalry should have ended when Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski weren't going up against each other anymore. Guess what happened? It didn't end when they brought in Roy Williams. Do you actually think because Coach K, after 42 years of coaching basketball, the majority of Duke, that all of a sudden Duke-North Carolina is going to go by the wayside and Virginia Tech and Syracuse will be the new rivalry in the ACC? Is that what you're telling me, Greenberg? From the, I, I'm not going to criticize anybody's opinion, but this was idiotic in my opinion to say that this rivalry is going to end because Coach K is done 
and moving on at the 42 years of college basketball that Duke and North Carolina is going to go by the way of the disco, the dinosaur, and the Labada. Come on now, really? The only way the rivalry is harmed is like any rivalry is harmed if one team fades into oblivion. So if there's a long period of time where one of these programs is not good at all, then fine, the rivalry is not going to receive a ton of attention nationally. It's still going to exist because that's collegiate sports. Thank that you. rivalry is never going to cease to exist because of the, the very nature of college rivalries. But if one team is down for years and years and years, then, yeah, it absolutely takes away something from the rivalry. Part of the fun, at least from a national perspective, is that these two teams are often on top. And, and that you want to maintain past Coach K's tenure. But the rivalry itself isn't dependent on it. It is, ha it is helped by it. It is bolstered by it, sure. particularly nationally. These two schools ain't going to be friends no matter who is coaching or, frankly, where these programs go. A Amber, you are a lot kinder than me. God bless you, my friend. I'm not going to be that kind dude. The only way this rivalry would disappear if one moved to a different conference. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. I'm not That's even why, sure then it would, yeah, frankly. Exactly. It wouldn't even. It, it yeah. still wouldn't. Because, yeah, I mean, we have all sorts of yeah, you know what? interstate yeah, rivals yeah. Right. But at the same that time, are yeah. Kansas, in Missouri, conferences. Kansas, Missouri disappeared because they don't play each other anymore. Right. Texas, Texas A&M disappeared because they don't play each other anymore. If both of those schools, all four of those schools played each other, guess what still happened? Mm -hmm. We'd still be having the border war between Kansas and Missouri, and we would still have that whole thing in Texas, Texas A&M. That's the only way. You're not having Duke, North Carolina as a rivalry. The only way that will happen if one of the schools fell into the freaking ground. That's the only way you're not going to have a rivalry. For somebody to actually say on a national program that this rivalry is over the minute that Coach K leaves, that's just ridiculous with me. You want to say that about maybe North Carolina, North Carolina State, that's not like Duke and North Carolina, I might buy that. This, with these two, even on a national level, it's always going to get attention. And you know why? Because both of these teams are always going to be good. Period especially in basketball. I mean, it's, 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 I don't think it's crazy to say that Duke is not going to lose much of a step here with the retirement of Coach K. I don't think that's that crazy to even it think, isn't. frankly. I'm they're loaded. They're, they're going to be loaded next year as well. They're loaded with talent. Now, could they taper off over the years? Fine. But at least they're staying inside there in terms of inside the program. They're moving on to a Coach K predecessor, right? Like, they are trying to maintain everything that they have had for the last 42 years. And if it works out as planned, they're not going to miss a beat, frankly. But even yeah. if they miss a beat, it ain't coming next year. They're no. loaded. Face plant, face plant, face plant. Thy name is my friend Mike Greenberg from Green with Mike Greenberg. By the way, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. <laughs> and time now we promote him. I don't mind promoting him, but I'm going to savage him on that one. Come on now. If that was his gotcha moment, all right, Mike, you got me. I'm still not falling with a banana tailpipe. That rivalry's not going anywhere from that standpoint. Great stuff by Amber Wilson. Hit her on Twitter at AmberW790. I'm Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter, Coleman ESPN, part of ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We're going to stay in the college basketball tip. When it comes to St. Peter's, Amber and I disagree when it comes to what we saw from them in their Elite Eight run. Keep it here. That's next. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson, that's her. Freddie Coleman, that's me. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, as well as ESPN+. Plus. We'll talk a little St. Peter's and the run that happened, and could it happen again? We'll do that in a couple of minutes. But Dominic in Los Angeles, because we know the news of the day. Clear the news of the day is what happened last night at the Oscars. Chris Rock making the joke at the expense of Jada Pinkett Smith. At first, Will Smith was laughing. Then he wasn't. Then he picked up that right hand and went slap across the face, and Chris Rock held it together as best he could. 
Dominic in Los Angeles wants to weigh in because he was there on the Canty call-in line at Triple Eight Say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Dominic, what did you see? Well, I was there. I was a trophy presenter. Um, if you if you watch the Oscars, I was the guy who handed the trophy to Coda at the end. I was I was one of those guys. Okay. And we rehearsed for the week. I mean, we rehearsed for the week, and the show is scripted to the end, right? Everything is done. The only pieces of information that we did not have going in was who's the special guest, which was Liza Minnelli, um, and whether or not Beyonce was going to be there. But everything else was scripted, three hours and 18 minutes. And then when Chris went out there, Chris was just, he had like a um, 10 second or 50 second, I'm sorry, 10 to 15 seconds to vamp, right? He was just going to vamp. And, you know, tell a couple jokes. He's, he's done the show. I mean, he's hosted the Oscars, mm-hmm, right? Right. So when he made the joke, oh, I should probably say one thing. Will Packer was the producer. So I'm sitting where I could see Will Packer and Shayla. And at the time, like, everybody was really excited because the big show number had ended and Kanto was his big show number. And, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to that. So they were like, oh, cool. We got the Godfather then best actor, best actress, best picture, we're out. Like, the show is over, mm-hmm. basically. They, you know, Will, I mean, Chris goes up there, says the joke, the G.I. Jane joke, and Will just walked up, and he popped him. And everybody, everybody was silent. You know, we cut the feed, all that other kind of stuff. And no one knew what to do. Like, no one knew what to do. And had Chris Rock not been as professional as he is, I mean, something else could have jumped off. But the part of the reason why I call, like, Chris just thinks funny all the time. Mm-hmm. At the end of the documentaries, when he walks off with Questlove, Will walks up to him, Will Packer walks up to him, you know, to apologize, say, I'm sorry, man, you know, I'm sorry. Chris Rock said, you wanted your Oscar moment, I guess you got it. And he was, like, <laughs> making a joke about it. I was, like, I was stunned. Like, I'm just, like, oh, wow, that's really, like, he just thinks funny. And the joke was not intended to hurt Will Smith or any of that, but I actually think that Will Smith, playing amateur psychologist, had a mental breakdown. He just snapped. He just had a moment in which he lost it, and it was not planned or timed or anything. It was it was, it was was the craziest thing that happened. I mean, I thought the Oscars were going to be uneventful completely. Wow. That, you know, I mean, it took the world by storm. I almost wondered if it was staged because nobody reacted. And and you heard Dominique say it there. Mm-hmm. Nobody reacted because it wasn't staged. But that was one of the reasons why initially, Freddie, I wondered if, in fact, it was staged because nobody did anything. No security runs out. Nobody knows mm-hmm. what to do in that moment. Yeah. But I guess because everybody was so stunned by that moment that nobody knew what to do. My wife, Denise, pointed out she at first thought it was staged or maybe it was a skit, a, mm-hmm. a sketch. And she saw Lupita Nyong'o's face behind Will Smith when he was doubling down on keep my wife's name out of your mouth. She goes, nobody can act that well because she looked thoroughly like, oh, my goodness, I was literally feet away from this, from this going on. And we also heard reports now that the Academy is thinking about mm-hmm. revoking his privileges. Twitter's already shut down his account, suspended Will Smith's Will, account. Will Smith's yeah, account. And apparently, apparently the Academy is thinking about taking the award away for Best Actor because yeah. – 
What's wow. interesting about this, of course, is Will Smith wins the award of the night. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody talking about that. No, not and at all. And you made that bet. You have to lie on it if you're Will Smith. Like, that was your moment. You won the biggest award of the night, and nobody is talking about that. They're just talking about your childhood, your childish behavior. Because this, here's something else, and this is because I'm just weird that way. Freddie Coleman, Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. This shows you the kind of stroke that he had that not one security person dragged him out of there. Mm-hmm. If that had been somebody else not along the lines or having the name of Will Smith, it looked like Charles Oakley at the Garden that night with nine security guards dragged him out of there. Not one person made a move to that stage other than Bradley Cooper, Denzel Washington, and Tyler Perry to comfort him. The only three. Right. That and they were comforting him. Right, comforting him. Not saying, dude, what the bleep were you doing? And uh, he got up on that stage. He gave the whole speech about love. And about protecting his family. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's all well and good. As a woman, I cringed at all of it because I just thought, I don't need my husband. I mean, I'm a married woman. I don't need my husband to protect me in that way. I don't need my husband out here fighting my battles. If somebody makes a joke about me, or listen, the business you and I are in. People do that all the we time. We get it. Trust yep. me, we get it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want my husband out here trying to fight every person who tries right. to dish it out to because me. Because the world is can, going to win. Well, and also because I'm a grown woman. Like, I can take care of myself. If somebody says something that I don't appreciate, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm going to go out there and slap them because right. that's not the way I handle myself as an adult. Sure. But I can take care of it. Trust. You know, I don't need you to take care of it for me. I'm not the little damsel in distress. I got this. I'm a grown woman. Jada is a grown, accomplished, successful woman in her own right. I don't find it that romantic that he needs to go out there and physically assault somebody because they made a joke about his wife. I don't see the romanticism in that once you're not 16 anymore and this sure. ain't high school. Yeah. <laughs> By the to your point about Jada Pinkett Smith handling herself, can you imagine Jada Pinkett walked up there? Right. It would have been, been more than one. It would like a jab, jab, your jab, money, jab, 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 jab. Believe me. She don't play. That's her middle name, DMP. DMP does not play when it comes to Jada Pinkett, but also to your point about defending her honor, whatever that was. And he even said part of the speech that they've gone through a lot in the last year or so. And I said, oh, a lot of what you've gone through is because you put that stuff out there, whether it's been the Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith, which is fascinating. I love listening to it and watching it all the time. But also even in his book, his memoir, where he put out, I'm a coward. Mm-hmm. And he has had a hard time dealing with that. I wonder how much of this was the fact he's trying to overcome this cowardice that he put out in his book because that can't be easy, being him in that family dynamic and everything that's gone on with those two inside and outside of their marriage. Like Dominic said, maybe he had whatever breakdown that was. But to me, Chris Rock's face should not have been the end of that. Right. Should not have been the end of that when it came to Well, and it doesn't make you seem more manly. It, It just makes you seem childish in this regard, right? I mean- the way Chris Rock handles that, yeah. all of us, even that caller who's there, who's, I know. who's a presenter and Dominic, like he's saying how yeah. professional Chris Rock was in that moment. And sure. I think that's what everyone's taken away from this. Yeah, by, by the way, you go to the end because Dominic, I'm looking at it right now, and if, and I'm, I'm going to say that that's him. Dominic, your suit game is tight, by the way. <laughs> Just Google the end of the show when Coda gets the award and the guy presenting the award. Dominic, your suit is tight, brother, from that standpoint. And thank you for that perspective. Keep weighing in. Hit us up anytime you want on Twitter, Amber W79. It's Am- Amber's handle, my handle, Coleman ESPN. Don't forget the phone number as well at 888 ESPN, 888 729 3776.
So we guess the NFL is trying to do the right thing when it comes to minority hirings. But are they really? That's next after this from eBay. When a part of your offense is not firing on all cylinders, it shows. Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. When this happens, the only solution is to replace that part with something better. It's the same with your car. But unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. Man, that's a lot of parts. That way you can get the parts you need to make your car a winner. So go to ebaymotors.com and let's ride. ESPN Radio. So let me get this straight. When it comes to the NFL, to ensure more opportunities for diverse candidates, the NFL is going to add requirements on the hiring offensive assistant coaches and women in general. At the owners' meeting on Monday, it includes adjustments to the Rooney Rule adopted in 2003 and amended frequently attempts to enhance opportunities for people of color and women for nearly all league and team jobs. Beginning this season, all 32 clubs must employ a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority to serve as an offensive assistant coach. Let me say that again. Must employ a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority. Not both, one or the other. She's Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, as well as tune in. Let's get thoughts on this. Another NFL Matters without Gal Mina Kimes. It's a great job, as always, as an ESPN NFL analyst, also NFL Live, and the Mina Kimes show featuring, as she'll say, the real star, Lenny, the podcast, and hit on Twitter at Mina Kimes. Mina, I just laid it out there about the NFL making adjustments to the Rooney Rule to aid minority hiring, my friend. The floor is, the floor is yours. Go. Yeah, well, you know, I think this particular change, which is requiring not just interviews but a hire, uh, is in response to a couple of criticisms of the existing rules or a couple of the explanations for why the existing rules have uh, not led to increased diversity amongst the highest coaching ranks. One, that sometimes, and a lot of, I mean, this is, of course, the foundation of Brian Flores' lawsuit uh, against the NFL, that the um, many of these interviews are quote-unquote sham interviews, that they're only done to satisfy the rule, but they're done often with teams that have already picked a candidate. Uh, And I think clearly this addresses that. The other thing is it's notable that it's about offensive assistance because we've seen so often that uh, coaching quarterbacks, coaching on the offensive side of the football is the easiest way towards ultimately becoming a head coach, you know, even before you become an offensive coordinator. So to me, this seems pretty targeted towards building a pipeline for future head coaches. Yeah, that's what I'm taking away from this as well. (laughs) Uh, An interesting proposal. There's a a lot of proposals floating around these owners' meetings, Mina. Another, there's several others, I should say, regarding overtime rules changes. One brought by the Colts and the Eagles proposes that both teams would possess the ball in an overtime period. Do you think that we are actually going to see a viable change in the overtime rules? Yeah, it's hard to say because it does require 22 yes votes, and that's a lot. And I I think when teams, uh, not to be cynical about it, but they look at these rule changes and they look at their own teams and they ask, okay, well, do we have a really good offense, a really good defense? Do we, um, you know, really want that extra possession? How important is it to us? Uh, Clearly a team like the Bills wants it because they want Josh Allen to have the opportunity to score. It's really what kind of was at the root of all of this. Uh, But from – a spectator's perspective, I think it's a good thing. You know, we talk a lot about competition and 
people say, well, if you want to win, just play defense. But I find that a little bit frustrating because, one, it's harder to play defense now than it is to play offense. And, two, both teams don't have to play defense under the current rules. Uh, I also think it's important to remember that the NFL is an entertainment product, and the goal should, in addition to fairness and health, should also be to maximize entertainment. I think this does that without changing the game too much or demanding too much more of the players. They should live well enough alone, but that's just my opinion. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, <laughs> joining Freddie Coleman and Amber Wilson and ESPN New Radio, ESPN Plus. No, it has nothing to do with being an old time. Here's my deal with that, real quick, <laughs> Mina. From the standpoint, I understand that that game was thoroughly entertaining, 42 to 36. If this was happening but, every playoff season, then you'll sway me. This happens once every blue moon. This is an overreaction. It wasn't an overreaction to the whole thing with the Saints and that thing, and I didn't think that was a good idea for the NFL to get involved when it comes to that change because the referees missed the call. I just think this is an overreaction because this is something that does not happen every playoff season. Tell him why he's wrong, Mina. It, it happened the season. There was a two seasons before. You remember that? Which is why the Chiefs supported the rule change, even though they benefited from it, because they wanted Patrick Mahomes back on the field. Look, this is clearly cor- or, oriented towards quarterback play. And you know what? I'm okay with that. We're in a golden age of quarterbacks. I want to see the quarterbacks win the game. They did win the game. Mahomes did win the game. I want to see both. I want to see both have our quarterbacks have the opportunity Preach, to win the Mina. game. Mina, Preach, Mina, Amber, Don't let Freddie Mina, sway Amber, you here. Josh Allen had sixty minutes. Yeah, and if he had gone back out, he probably would have scored again. We'll never know. There you, we know, we all know. <laughs> we'll never Mina, know. speaking of quarterbacks, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a market for either Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo. If I had to mm. choose who's going to be traded first. Who would it be? I've been really surprised that there's not a market right now for either of these guys. Yeah, uh, You know, of the two, I would say Baker Mayfield. And that has more to do with the, the number of bidders, the who the bidders are available for their services and less about the caliber of play, um, frankly, because of the way that all of this shook out with the Broncos getting Russell Wilson, with Matt Ryan going to the Colts, Washington trading for Carson Wentz. Suddenly, it was like a game of musical chairs, right? And the chairs kept getting taken away and taken away. And now, really, you're looking at Seattle and maybe Carolina, but mostly Seattle. And we know San Francisco isn't going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to Seattle. So Mm -hmm. just for that reason alone, it seems more likely to me that a Baker deal gets done, although both teams really lack leverage. Real quick before we let you go, how are you handling Russell Wilson not being a Seahawk anymore for your team? I'm in stage, I think, 10, which is like um, ra- rationalizing. Or I got to look at the stages of grief, but I'm in the rationalization <laughs> stage, Freddie. Why aren't they Why aren't they interested in either of these guys? I mean, I understand it's unlikely San Francisco would trade, trade yeah. Jimmy G within the division. But from the Seahawks' perspective, why aren't they going after either of these quarterbacks? Well, I suspect, well, with Jimmy, I think they just think it's unlikely. I suspect with Baker, while most people, myself included, think he would be an upgrade over Drew Locke, mm-hmm. um, the Seahawks are also aware of the leverage aspect of this. And by waiting it out, um, they probably don't have to trade anything for him at this point. Heck, they might even pick up a draft pick because the Browns want to offload that $19 million contract and don't have any options. So I think – from Seattle's, they could be pursuing it, but slow playing it. But we'll have to wait and see how it goes at, goes at the end. Hang in there, Mina. Always a pleasure, my friend. You take care. <laughs> be well. Bye, guys.
Great stuff about Mina Kimes. Hit on Twitter, Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, also from NFL Live. And don't forget about the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny Podcast, joining Freddie Coleman, Amber Wilson, both of them ganging up on me here on ESPN Radio. I <laughs> can handle it. it. I, I deserve you it. You deserve it. it. Mina's, Mina's position is absolutely correct. It's an entertainment it's abs- product, it's the not, NFL. Nah, it's, it's more entertaining correct. if both teams get an opportunity well, hold on a in overtime. You're trying to tell me a 42-36 game that was not entertaining. He had 60 minutes. It's entertaining, but it's more entertaining How? when you know that everybody's had an opportunity and that we get the right result. This is That's not, more entertaining. This is not Little League where everybody gets the orange slices because you no. participated. This is not the same thing. Listen, participation trophies are highly overrated, by the way, because the people who always insult participation trophies are the people who are out here winning real trophies. Some of us never had the opportunity. I would have liked a, an orange slice. It would have been the only trophy I ever won. That's not like a you problem. Not a me problem. <laughs> <That's> the- <laughs> I kid because I don't care. We love having you hang out with us. Do that on Twitter at AmberW79. It's Amber's handle, my handle, at Coleman ESPN. We'll try to answer two questions. Number one, will St. Peter's ever have that kind of run through somebody else again? And what now, now that Kyrie Irving no longer has a cause for the pause? This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. She's Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman. Appreciate you joining us on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And, boy, how about St. Peter's? They did something that had never been done before, not just as a 15 seed winning a game in the NCAA tournament, but a 15 seed winning three games and getting to the Elite Eight. Shaheen Holloway, the, Holloway excuse me, the head coach, Amber, on his way to Seton Hall as expected. But a lot of people love the Cinderella story. This may have been the best Cinderella story we've ever seen, but are we ever going to see a run like this with a team like a St. Peter's in a mid-major conference again? I don't think it's as unlikely as people think. Now, I know we've never seen a 15 seed, Freddie, and so maybe it'll be a while before we see a 15 seed do it again. But I do feel like the direction of college basketball generally is towards more parity. It's funny to say it now because now we have four blue bloods, of course. (laughs) In the final four. But before this round of the tournament, anyways, it was a very unpredictable tournament. Last tournament as well was a very unpredictable tournament. And I think in large part because of the transfer portal. And I know that that's not what you attribute St. Peter's success to specifically. But the Texas Techs of the world, there's a lot of teams that were involved in this tournament that had benefited from that transfer portal and other schools who had lost transfers. And because of that, that has kind of really opened things up. And then, of course, the NI landscape as well you saw it with st peter's you saw the deals that they were out there getting with the chicken wings from buffalo wild wings and and that absolutely can have an effect and an impact on where student athletes might be willing to go because in other words if you can make a run if the light is, is is shining on you, it doesn't matter what market you're in. The money's still going to come. It doesn't matter what school you go to. Now, does it mean that Duke players are going to go to St. Peter's? No. But I'm just talking about sort of the the parity that can exist and at least outside the Power Five. And, yeah. and so I do think that we could be in a position where it's not unheard of to get these Cinderella runs. And, of course, we've seen them before, but it's been – Far and few in between when we're talking about these schools that are really unlikely, the Florida Gulf Coasts of the Mm -hmm. world. But we saw Oral Roberts just last year, and now this year we got St. Peter's. And it feels like, to me, might be something that we see more often. I don't think we'll see it more often. And that's not to criticize or demean what St. Peter's was able to do. And you mentioned Oral Roberts and Florida Gulf Coast, Lob City, Dunk City, when they were doing that. But more than ever before, to your point about too many good players around the country, there are no dominant teams. And I think – Seeing something like this, like, look, we don't want to be Kentucky. We don't want to be Murray State. It was really a perfect storm for St. Peter's, not just beating Kentucky, but a Murray State team. The main people are, oh, they're going to beat them. And St. Peter's used that motivation. 
there are going to be plenty of coaches, young coaches going forward are going to say, do you want to be that? And a lot of guys say, nope, I don't want to be that. It may happen again, but I think it's going to be eons and eons before we see a 15 seed, not just win a game, Amber, but win two games after that and be one game short of the Final Four. I think that's more unlikely than likely. ESPN Radio. The gift that just keeps on giving. That has nothing to do with what happened last night at the Oscars. Along with Amber Wilson, Freddie Coleman, thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series so X-Men Channel 80, as well as ESPN Plus. Don't forget the phone number to hang out with us as well at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So the one thing about what happened at the Oscars last night, it was able to supersede so many different things. We're not talking about as much as Duke getting into the Final Four playing North Carolina. We're also not talking about as much as Kyrie Irving making his home debut for the Brooklyn Nets. It was a home debut that I'm sure he would have liked to have a lot better of an opportunity to score more points. They lose to the Charlotte Hornets in a game that wasn't a must win, but it kind of felt like that because you're thinking, Amber, this is the perfect storm. He's coming back. The Nets are ready to rock and roll. He didn't play well. LaMelo Ball outplayed him. Mm -hmm. They wound up winning that game. It was very interesting to hear Kyrie Irving after the game where he didn't talk anything about basketball. It was about speaking for the people, saying to give voice to the voiceless, for those freedom and those rights. And I'm thinking, if I'm Steve Nash, I'm going, how about talk about the fact that you didn't play well and we need you to play a lot better than that than any other cause that you no longer have to worry about playing for when it comes to being back on the court. Well, and that play, that game last night had very significant playoff implications. So it wasn't like it was just a nothing regular season game like some of these guys treat them when there's 82 right. of them, right? I mean, you're talking about a team in the Nets that's still fighting for seeding. So that's first and foremost. They need to go out here and win every single one of these games. Then because the Hornets won – they had the eighth, they, they take the eighth seed in the conference, but by virtue of their 2-1 record over Brooklyn now, they have that head-to-head tiebreaker. And so the Nets are going to have to outplay the Hornets here down the stretch to avoid falling to the ninth seed in mm. the East, where they, of course, have to play two play-in games as opposed to just one. So this game was very, very significant in terms of their postseason seeding. And Kyrie didn't show up for it. I mean, it was remarkable. They do the big introduction at mm-hmm. Barclays. He comes out. Everyone's so excited because Kyrie's finally there on his home court. He's finally able to play freedom, blah, 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 everything Kyrie was saying after the game. And then he goes out, he, he, two, two of 16 from the start. Yikes. I, that's not the, if you want to make a statement about something, you have to go out and make more of a statement than that in terms of on the court as well. Because the whole reason that everyone's listening to the things that you say off the court, of course, exactly, are because we're used to you playing really, really well on the court. And that's where all of this begins. And Kyrie seems to take these nights off and not show up. So I guess the vaccine mandate being lifted turns out to not be that big of a story after all, because Kyrie wasn't showing up at Barclays either way. Maybe he showed a little after effects, and he thought he did not take the vaccine to try to make sure he did not get any COVID-19 when it's all said and done. You mentioned about the whole thing outside of basketball court. Check out what he had to say about how he wants people to remember his decision to not take the vaccine, and he waited out in New York City. I've made it very clear it was never just about me. You know, I think for my own legacy, that's to be written by all those that I impact and all those that impact me. Right. And it's far bigger than just a basketball game. But when I'm in this locker room, I get a chance to perform with a bunch of guys that are selfless and are sacrificing just as much as I am. You know, it makes it worthwhile. And that's the only thing that I'm really focused on is the now. All right. So he got that out the way that he's focused on the now. I'll say this, Amber. This would have never flown 
if he played for the New York Knicks. And it has nothing to do with the organization. It has everything to do with those fans. He knew it was a perfect storm because the Brooklyn Nets fans are so desperate to win a championship and matter in New York. They'll take anything they can get. Knicks fans, man, you get your butt on on that court. They would have never allowed something like this to fly this long. And I'm not saying they would have pushed them away from the New York Knicks or forced them to get the vaccine. I'm just saying the fans that support the New York Knicks are not going to take party to something like that. The Brooklyn Nets fans, to your point, you're exactly right. It felt like a Broadway opening. Mm-hmm. He was coming out there on the great right. The Milton Plaza is the Kyrie Irving of the old Broadway. That's what it felt like with him. That would have never flown with Knicks fans. They would not let him get away with that. Maybe Knicks fans should be a little more desperate to win a championship. Too. We are. Saying, doesn't help, but, but we are. <laughs> what this amounts to is that we made this huge deal around, about when Mayor Eric Adams lifts the vaccine mandate. And it wasn't just about Kyrie by any means. And it doesn't have just Kyrie implications by any means. Let's not pretend like the Nets are the only private business this affects. Even sports-wise, it doesn't just have Kyrie implications. But this has felt all about Kyrie since the get. It really has. And in the most look-at-me of moments then from Kyrie Irving, which it seems like he's a dude who enjoys the look-at-me attention Mm -hmm. and the look-at-me moments, if you want the attention and you want the moment, then you have to capitalize on the moment. And I was surprised that Kyrie Irving was a no-show on a night when everybody was looking at him and he was getting his big payoff and taking his stance for whatever he thinks he was taking it for. And if he doesn't show up on the court, then frankly, everything else doesn't resonate the same way that I think he is hoping that it will. And so the Nets are going to need more from Kyrie down mm. the stretch. And the Nets are going to need a whole lot more than Kyrie in the postseason. They're in a, a very difficult situation right now, the Brooklyn Nets. And a lot of people are picking them as a favorite in the East. Because They're of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's probably why. No, no doubt from that standpoint. Real quick, Tony in Florida, 888-729-3776. Tony, what you got to say about Kyrie's return, my friend? Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks Good. for running a great show. Hey, listen. Appreciate you. You know, this Kyrie Irving thing, thing is just so – it's so it just reeks of hypocrisy and idiocy. I mean, here's a guy who's claiming he speaks for the the people with no voices, but those people who didn't get vaccinated, they lost their jobs. They didn't get paid. Mm-hmm. This well guy said. got paid seventeen million dollars to stay home. He's no hero. Actually, he's actually he's repulsive, man. I mean, I can't even root for the guy. Great player, don't get me wrong, but man, this guy, this this guy ain't right upstairs. That's- <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys like Kyrie, unfortunately, as great as he is, can make people hard to root for. Well, he's very polarizing. He's a very polarizing player. But he's not supposed to be polarizing on the court. True. And he's becoming that, too. Great stuff by Tony in Florida joining us here on ESPN Radio. What about the Lakers? Are they going to miss the playoffs? That's next. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.